we're more than just the sepia tone town that Dorothy <laughs> wants to get away from. And I mean, we're, we're, we're a technicolor place here. <laughs> it's really not that bad of a place to live. Welcome back to another episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. My name is Landon. Our first sponsor today is Il Primo Espresso Cafe. Il Primo is the oldest coffee shop in town and one of our favorites. They now have a few items from their fall menu out, like the pumpkin spice latte with pumpkin cold foam or the apple crisp latte with apple, brown sugar, and cinnamon sprinkles on top. Stop by Il Primo today and try out their new fall menu. Our next sponsor is Erica with Midwest Fresh Homes. The market has been really hot for houses the last few months, but it's starting to cool off a bit. But that doesn't mean you can't get a great deal whether you're buying or selling a home. Call Erica with Midwest Fresh Homes today to see how she can help you get the best deal on a home. Today's guest is Sarah Harmon. Sarah is an award-winning filmmaker and loves to make documentaries. One of her most well-known pieces of work is a documentary about Wichita's first amusement park, not Joyland, but Wonderland Park. We talk about that documentary her experiences making films, film festivals, her podcast, The Double Stuffed Podcast, and an upcoming project of hers. Enjoy my conversation with Sarah Harmon. All right, I'm here with Sarah Harmon. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing good, Landon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we could uh, finally have you on here. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Sarah, as if he didn't say that already. Uh, it still would have been if he didn't. Uh, but I'm, I'm a filmmaker, illustrator, um, tap dancing when I can. Uh, I like, I, I'm really into the arts, media and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, and now and I guess I, I said filmmaker, but I guess I can now say an award winning. Uh, yeah, you have to put that in there. You deserve oh, it. 100%. I totally like to add extra adjectives when I'm describing myself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anytime you introduce yourself, introduce yourself as an award-winning filmmaker, for sure. Uh, I usually do. So I don't know why I didn't this time. I think I was trying to introduce, but now I should have said that from the get-go. So we're oh, just right. lying. I'm an award-winning filmmaker. There we go. <laughs> um, so are you, have you always lived in Wichita? Uh, technically, no. Uh, my family and I were originally from Indiana. Okay. Um, but we've we've been in Wichita. It's been almost twenty years. Sure. So yeah, I don't always say, well, originally we moved here. You know, since it's been a few, almost a few decades ago, I just say, yeah, I'm from Wichita. I'm the exact same. I was actually born and lived in Omaha, Nebraska for the first nine or ten years of my life, and I moved oh. here about twenty years ago as well. So I just say Wichita. Yeah. I don't try to or Andover, but I don't try to explain the whole backstory. So. Yeah, because because people don't want to hear all that. They're just like, where are you from? And then I start giving them my life story. And right, unless right. they really want to sit down and hear it, I'm just like, yeah, I'm from there. Then I walk off, get my coffee and leave. Right. Know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you're an award winning filmmaker. What kind of films do you make? And talk th- talk us through that a little bit. Uh, well, I, I do a lot of freelance work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my sister and I, we, we work together doing a lot of projects. Uh, we've done some stuff for the Cedric County Museum. Personal projects, of course, for other clients, some personal clients, some for other organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like, like passion projects, mm-hmm. you know, I really like um, the documentary aspect. Yeah, you know, I, I really like telling historic, like obscure, I've noticed, like sure. some of those that people don't really know about, or it's been so far removed 
that it's almost lost in time until someone's able to bring it back. Right. So I, I've always liked history anyway. So it's yeah. kind of nice bringing the stuff that I like into a media aspect. So I, sure. I mainly like doing um, documentary films, also just like um, just fun stuff, fun montages and stuff like that. So yeah, it, whatever the project calls for. Yeah. Sure. Where do you typically post your stuff? Is it like YouTube, that kind of stuff? Or where do you post your projects? Um, the stuff that we do for some of the clients... They end up, I think a lot of them end up posting it on their uh, website, but they also do it on social media too. So sure. like I said, I was talking about the, um, so the most recent videos we did for the Cedric County Museum was a series of uh, uh, virtual videos okay. called Adventures in Time. Mm -hmm. And so when that first came out, I think they posted some of those or at least a promo of it or something on social media, but it'll redirect to the YouTube page. Sure. So most yeah. of the stuff they have will go either for on the YouTube page or social media, it depends on what, where they want to actually have it. So, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the big documentaries you've done is about Wonderland Park. So can yes. you first talk about what that is for the people that don't know? Yeah, it is actually the first um, documentary I had ever done. Um, I, I've watched a lot of documentaries, but I've never done one on my own. So that was a bit of an experimentation for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, so what Wonderland Park is about Wichita's very first amusement park. A lot of people think that's Joyland, um, but actually Joyland uh, came about 30, 35 or so years after Wonderland. Wonderland was from 1906 to 1918. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's probably why it's so far away, because everybody that was associated has since died off. Right. Yeah. You know? And I think that's a little bit of history. That's always a challenge, especially when you look at documentaries of like ancient Egypt. Well, there's no ancient Egyptians around to interview. Right. So sometimes trying to find an information is a bit of a challenge, but that's what made it fun. Yeah. And uh, but the, the how I came to that idea, mm -hmm. um, it actually started in 2016. And at the place I was working at the time, a coworker and I, we were just having a conversation one day and she brought up, she was like, you know, there used to be an amusement park in the middle of the Arkansas river. And I thought she was joking at first, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, okay, ha ha ha. Yeah. Punchline. No, no. She was like, no, really there was. And so we went on Google and at that time there really wasn't a lot of information about it, but there still really isn't, but there's more now since the film has come out, Sure. but just enough to whet our appetites to be like, Oh, I don't think anybody knows about this. We need to make a film about that. Right. And we were planning on partnering up and, you know, doing this thing and probably maybe about a week or whatever days before we decided to do this, we both got laid off of the same job. Oh, wow. And that, that changed everything. Um, like I said, we were planning on working together to put this, to, you know, make the film. Um, you know, she ended up moving back to Florida. That's where she's originally from. Mm -hmm. And of course I stayed here and I knew I still wanted to do the project, but I knew that if I did, it was all going to be on me. Right. All, all the, all the research and the shooting and the editing and all that stuff. But it's not like I didn't know how to do it, but I think right. it just, it was a bit daunting at the time. Um, but I, I didn't do it immediately. Uh, like I said, being laid off was a really big deal. Yeah. And that was actually my third layoff. Wow. Of, of a full-time job. That's pretty devastating. Oh, I can imagine. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and for that layoff, I found it out right before my birthday. So happy mm. birthday to me finding out <laughs> the layoff. So I went through like a year of 
a lot of frustration and depression and all that kind of stuff. And that was when I realized, okay, I can't be laying in bed every day. Like I have been and all this kind of stuff. I got to do something that have a reason to get up in the morning, you know, that, that it it sounds dramatic, but there was, that was really the reason why. And so I decided I'm like, okay. And the other thing that that made this layoff more devastating than the other ones was that I was replaced by technology. Mm. And for someone that spent their whole life studying media in order to do this, to be replaced by the very thing you spent all your life learning in school and, and all that kind of stuff. It was almost like, like a relationship that just broke. So it's like, you're you're in this thing that's going good and they just leave you flat, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, So that's when I realized I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be in a situation where I'm never going to be replaced. I'm going to be an irreplaceable asset. So no matter how big the technology gets, there's, there's one human that um, you, you would be a fool not to have me. Right. Right. So that's when I decided to do the Wonderland Park documentary. Um, I had no money, no cameras, no equipment, (laughs) no anything, but I wanted to do this film. And I don't know if you're familiar with an organization called ICT Soup. I'm not, Uh, no. And it's also, I think it's also part of Harvester Arts. So usually in the fall, so we know we're closely in the, in the fall season, usually during the fall and maybe early winter, um, ICT soup, they meet in the Harvester Arts uh, building and, you know, you have all the soups and the warm foods and stuff and the mm-hmm. community together and they have certain people, artists and whatnot. They get to talk to the community and they propose a project, you know, if, if, and if, if it's something that would interest them then the money that was raised for admission, that would be the money that would help them, you know, fund wow. whatever cool. that's awesome. Yeah. I haven't heard yeah. of that. Yeah, I think they've been doing it for, oh, goodness, three or four years okay, now. Okay, and they're still, still doing it this winter, too? Uh, I'd have to double check. To sure, see I'll they look are. it up, too, yeah. I, I know a lot of things have changed, sure, you know, COVID, last year yeah. and stuff. So, But I know, you know, they were doing it up until, you know, yeah. 2020. Um, cool. So, yeah, so I, I, go, I went on ahead and, and proposed it. That I think it was October of 2017 I decided to do it. And I was fully confident that day. I knew I was going to win. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's a cool thing, confidence. People mistake it for arrogance. But sure. but if you know, if you're certain about something, just keep doing it. So I was definitely certain I was going to win this. So I proposed my Wonderland idea. And yeah, to my knowledge, I believe it was an almost unanimous decision that sure. I won it. Uh, and so the money that was raised was the most they had at that time was three hundred and fifty dollars. Nice. So that was so that was my budget. My budget yeah. was three hundred and fifty dollars. So when people talk about a shoestring budget, just the strings, no shoes were attached <laughs> to this project at all. Um, but thankfully, I have friends that have equipment and software, and I was able to borrow from them. And so thankfully, I was able to use that stuff to to make this film, and I was able to come across some great historian friends of mine, um, uh, Jim Mason, who's in the film. He knows Kansas history upside down and backwards. Um, uh, Jamie Fraser Tracy, she's the curator at the Cedric County Museum. Um, and then I had a shot from Grant Hewitt of Hewitt Antiques near, near, near the end of the film. And of course, yours truly, because why not put yourself in your own production? Of course. Um, so yeah, so I just told the story of Wonderland Park. It was a great amusement park. Uh, it lasted, it only lasted 12 years, but they fit a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in that 12 year period. And uh, yeah, there was literally an island or I guess a sandbar really uh, in the middle of the Arkansas River. You have to imagine that the river was much, much wider than what it is now. Obviously wide enough to have 
an island. And I found out from other people there were a couple other islands, but at least for where Wonderland Park was at. And uh, yeah, I uh, had, you know, Ferris wheels, roller coasters, merry-go-rounds, had a lot of vaudevillian acts, acrobatics, animal acts, bowling alleys, shooting galleries, wow, yeah. outdoor eating areas, um, whole, uh, a baseball field, a baseball field. You know, recently, you know, everybody's all excited about the new baseball field that Wichita mm-hmm. has now. Um, that there's a, there's a connection to that with Wonderland Park because Wonderland Park at, at that time had the main baseball field called Island Park Stadium. Mm-hmm. That was where all the baseball games were held. Um, it was more, they also had football games there, rodeo, uh, <laughs> hot air balloons stuff. But when Wonderland closed down and the, and eventually the island was torn down, they built Lawrence Dumont mm-hmm. to replace that. And of course, now we have the, the new one to replace Lawrence Dumont. So it right. just also shows yeah. how history. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's like a lot of connections there, but yeah. Um, but it closed in 1918. Um, Sadly, that kind of happened. I think it was sadly inevitable, just dealing with how history goes. Um, but after the film came out, I found out later in 1919, uh, when they were starting to sell all the parts and stuff, um, there was a guy in El Dorado, Kansas, that bought a lot of those attractions. Mm. And he moved a lot of Wonderland stuff to El Dorado. Interesting. And then, so El Dorado had their own Wonderland Park for about a decade. Oh, I, mean, wow. I, think, I think it ended around 1929 or so. And this is mm. new information I recently found out, too. Mm. That is interesting. So, yeah. What was the reason it closed? Was it just not getting as much traffic as normal or in oh, 1918? It, it was it was an amazing time for amusement parks. Uh that that was that was such a new concept right. uh, at that time, but uh, a couple reasons probably brought it to an end. A lot of it was the popularity of automobiles. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's it's amazing. We it's hard to picture it now in our modern minds, but um, people they wanted to drive their cars a lot more than getting on the roller coasters. They thought driving the cars was much more fun sure. and, and the ride and the ride lasted longer, you know, right, a few right. days <laughs> so, uh, so they were enjoying that. Of course we were kind of, you know, world war one was kind of in, in the works and stuff. And so mm-hmm. a lot of, I think a lot of people were like, well, there's a war on, so maybe I shouldn't be having fun kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know that that could have been a, a thing itself. The main problem was something called the blue laws, okay. which was, which was basically saying it's against the law to work on Sundays. Okay. And if you, and if you work on Sundays, uh, you're going to jail and they did a lot of Sunday business. So mm. they were constantly going to jail and, uh, <laughs> and, and paying fines and stuff. There, there'd be a lot of times where the cops were just waiting because they knew it was going to happen. And as soon as the actors and stuff got on the stage and started, you know, dancing and performing, they would drag them off the stage and they would arrest the, the managers. And um, that happened quite a bit. So I think, I think that was one of, like I said, there was a lot of factors. Yeah, a lot of reasons. Was, yeah. I think that was a big one, you know, Sunday business and all that sure. kind of stuff finances there's always money involved oh, but yeah. that, that's 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 kind of the main ones though yeah sure so where did you so you the wheels started kind of turning in 2016 when did you finish it and then where did you kind of publish it first where did you distribute it what did that look yeah like? uh so i started around november 2017 and i finished it because i wanted to submit it to tall grass mm-hmm. for 2018 mm-hmm. uh so 
it was literally one of those 11:59 moments. <laughs> where I, and I, would, I, I didn't want it to be that way, but that's just how it happened. Just because that's, that's you know, get stuff done, and you know, because also I wanted to get footage of Riverfest mm. um, because kind of where. Riverfest takes place is kind of where Wonderland was. Okay, I was going to so, ask what part of the river the island was. Yeah, and and the exact location that stuff I'm still figuring out, but we do know for sure thanks to Jim, he told me this, but basically like where exploration places, that was yeah. where the roller coaster was. Oh, wow. You know, and of course, like I said, it used to be separated, but then in 1930s when they were doing the works projects, you know, with FDR and everything, they actually kind of dug the island away and kind of filled in that little area. Mm. Um, but just that whole area bit, that, that, that's what kind of makes it special because it's like people don't really know, but you're actually in the area where all this took place. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so yeah, I really wanted to shoot a lot of stuff at Riverfest. So that was another thing. Of course, Riverfest usually, it falls in the month of June or kind of May into June. Yeah, yeah. The absolute last of the last tall grass deadline is usually in July. So that gave me time to shoot some stuff for Riverfest, uh-huh. incorporate it where I needed to and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so by the time I got it all finished, it was, I think it was due like, you know, the first week of July. And then I think I found out um, either end of September or beginning of October that it had gotten uh, accepted, which nice. is awesome. That is really cool. Uh, and so, yeah, so I was I was originally going to make it like a little five minute, maybe six minute short because mm-hmm. it was hard finding information for it. Like I said, it's such an obscure story. Right. But, but I was able to expand it to twenty minutes. That's uh, incredible. Which, yeah. Which is pretty good. I was able to make a twenty minute film. Uh, so I've been able to play it at a lot of places around, um, not just Wichita anymore, but you know I've got to play it in Oklahoma and. Nice some of the surrounding cities in Kansas and, you know, for something that I really, that had no money to be spent, um, <laughs> you know, I, I submitted to the doc Sunback film festival in 2019 and it won best Kansas documentary. Wow. Uh, which is awesome. So that was That's my really first cool. bout in. Congrats. Uh, yeah. Thank you. That, that was, that made it really special. And, and then at the end of the year, I think it was November of 2019, um, I had won, which is over here, the um, from the Arts Council, I had won a special recognition award for the film. Nice. So, so it's, it's won two so far, which is cool. It's awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping, one of the things I'm hoping, I would like to make a more feature length or at least a more expanded version. Mm. Um, because I've gotten more information since then. Sure. And and there's a few parts in the film I kind of want to clear up a little bit. So I figure I can go ahead and kind of make it fresh. I got more information, more photographs. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, of something like that. So I'm hoping, you know, once I'm able to use my time wisely and stuff, I wanted to come out next year. So hopefully, cool. hopefully there'll next be a year. new film in 2022. Very yeah. cool. Is there a place, is it published on the first, I guess the original, is it published online anywhere for people to watch or is it only at these festivals right now? Um, at the moment, it's still only for screenings because mm-hmm. there's there's a few because I'm still sending it to a couple film festivals still sure. until until that kind of runs out. Right. Um, so right now I'm still doing public screenings. Sadly, I had to cancel all of them last year for the right. reasons. Well, yeah. there were a couple I was able to do. Um, so, you know, like if anyone out there is interested in, in watching it. Um, I do. It is cool because I do get a really good turnout from people mm-hmm. that see it because I'm telling a story that no one has really ever heard of. Yeah. Or or what ends up happening to a lot of screenings that I 
I feel like I, I vindicate a lot of people from years gone by. I've had a lot of people like, my grandfather told me about this. And <laughs> they're like, oh, he's gone again. Talking about a float in the music park in the river. Oh, that's and funny. then they watched this and they realized all those decades, he was telling the truth all this time. I thought grandpa was losing it. <laughs> and I was, and, and, and it was like, yeah, it actually happened. So, you know, I've, I've vindicated a lot of uh, long gone grandparents. <laughs> or that's great grandparents. Awesome. That's really funny. But That's yeah, really but, if, but if they do want to find out more information and like check out the trailer, um, most of the information I have on my Facebook page. So if you yeah. just go to, so if you just go to the Facebook page and just um, type in Wonderland Park 1906 in okay. the in search, um, it should take you right to it. Perfect. And, and I'll then, share that. I'll share the link as well. So people. Can yeah. It. Yeah. Because it'd be cool for more people to find out about this. It's a great bit of Wichita history. Yeah, that's really cool. I Yeah. I don't know anything about that. I'm going to go watch the trailer right after this. That sounds awesome. Oh, good. Um, so 2022 people can expect that if not, hopefully they can catch a show and coming up soon. Um, yeah. what other documentaries do you, are you working on now or do you have coming up? What else do you have in the, the um, shoot? There, there's one that has recently been completed. Um, kind of a similar vibe to kind of what we did for Wonderland, even though it's a completely different story. Uh, so about two years ago, um, a woman named June Johnson. She was doing a, a presentation at this uh, female historian club the, the, that we used to be a part of. And she was telling a story about some scam that happened in Wichita, like right before the Great Depression, and how some salesmen conned the city of Wichita into investing in white rabbits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, what the heck story? What? I was like, I gotta, I gotta do a film about this. It's such a weird, what the yeah. heck story. And like I said, I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to do a film about this since 2019 and just all the times I've wanted to do it, it just ended up falling through, but thankfully an opportunity presented itself this year. And so I'm like, okay, this is the best topic because again, it's another bit of obscure Wichita history. Very obscure here, yeah. Yeah, that some people have heard of, but I, I would, I would, I wouldn't be too dramatic to say that a lot of people haven't. Right. Um, so yeah. So thankfully, my sister and I were able to put together this film, and yeah. So I was telling the story about, um, yeah, that's what it was. A salesman came to Wichita <laughs> and said, "Hey, give me." all of your money <laughs> and, and you'll be able to invest in these rabbits. You know, you can use the rabbit for use the meat, you know, make it make for food. You know, you can use the fur for fashion to make fur coats or whatever. You use the skin to make hats. Plus, you know, rabbits breed a lot. So you're creating your own stock, you know, never. Oh my gosh, like, that's hilarious. It, it made a lot of sense. And, and the, the documentary kind of goes into that kind of detail because it was a straight up scam, but he was so good and so convincing, you know, crazy, crazy idea. But, you know, I mean, he scammed the city and he, he ran off with in modern day money, almost $5 million. Wow. That's really funny. I have not so, heard of that. Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy story. And it's one of those things like no one's done, no one's really talked about this. Right. So, but we have some of the returning casts like I have for Wonderland. So yeah. So Jim Mason is in it again, as well as Jamie Fraser Tracy and uh, June Johnson, who did the, the presentation mm -hmm. because it's based on some stuff she found from her dad's collection. That's how oh, I found wow. out about it. And um, then to make it more interesting, you know, of course, I'm in it again because 
Why not? Because why not? And since my sister was part of it, she's in it too. So, but the cool thing is that because we all did our bit of research in it. So it's, it's a more elaborate story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if I'm believing it will, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't, but it should be accepted into tall grass this year mm-hmm. for the 2021 um, uh, event. So when that happens, like I said, I'm sure it will. And even if it doesn't, uh, you know, I'm still going to make sure it's going to play. You yeah. know, there's more than one, there's more than one venue that it can play at. Sure. So, but, but that should be hopefully coming out, you know, later on. And I, wow. Since we're nearing the, the end of the year. So yeah, yeah. the end of this year. Yeah. Very cool. And I think Tallgrass is like mid October ish. Yeah, uh, I think the twentieth through the twenty fourth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think is the is the Tallgrass event. So it'll be, yeah. So near the end of October. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um. And so, how long is that one? Uh, this one's actually thirty minutes. Awesome. So it's it's, cool. it's ten minutes longer than that one, but but we squeeze in a whole lot. Yeah, that, that sounds super interesting. In that half hour. Yeah, and it's, it's and the rabbit he had was called a Raja rabbit, so the title is called "Who Scammed Raja Rabbit." So, <laughs> That's really good. That's little, really good. A little play so, on "Who Framed Raja Rabbit." That's great. Exactly, because we were like, "Oh my gosh!" It like it wrote itself. It had no. That it really did. That That's fantastic. So, That's really good. It, it already already it already brings in a chuckle already. So, That's really good. Yeah. Um, so now that you've kind of made a couple documentaries, what advice would you have for somebody that has any interest in making documentaries? Um, make them. Uh, don't don't wait until the perfect opportunity presents itself because it might not. You know, I wasn't waiting to not have a job to make this. You know, ideally, I would have been in Hollywood with a few million dollars to throw around and make something like that. But I mean, the fact that I was able to make a film with no money, I, I mean, no software, no equipment, and a lot of it was borrowed. And I was able to make something that has won awards. It's definitely possible. So the, the cool thing nowadays because I always say, you know, work with what you have. Mm-hmm. But I do like that nowadays we can actually work with quite a bit because most of us have a phone now. Yeah. And you can you can do just about anything on it. Right. So, I mean, it might not be Spielberg, but I mean, you can totally do some really good quality stuff with with a phone. You know, there's a lot of, you know, free editing apps you can use. Mm-hmm. So you already have a device in your pocket that you can do pretty much anything you need to do. So start with what you have until you're able to get the bells and whistles. And then once you get that, you you can say you have enough experience to do that. So, I mean, honestly, that's, that's what I'm waiting for. You know, Uh, I'm I'm waiting to get the, you know, the however many thousand dollar camera and all the cool lights and rigging, but kind of like what I tell my students, the fundamentals don't really change. The technology does. Mm-hmm. But once you kind of figure out how that works, sometimes it's kind of good to start out with a, with the basics. No, I, I agree hundred percent when I will get into your podcast in a minute, but um, when I first started this podcast, it was using my phone, going to, I have an iPhone, going to like the audio recorder and just sitting on the table between me and whoever I'm talking to. And I did five or 10 episodes like that before I, yeah. I, I wanted to make myself kind of earn before I did, I wanted to make sure it wasn't one of those things where it's like, okay, I, I'm on a kick. I'm just going to do this for a couple and then quit. And so I like yeah. made myself kind of earn the, the next step or the technology, which is not that much a cheap microphone and a little recorder, but yeah. better than my phone. So it's like taking small steps up. 
Well, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's kind of like that experimentation, especially if it is something that maybe you don't feel like you might do in the long run. You know, no use investing a lot of money that you exactly. may, or may not continue doing. Right, exactly you right. So, so start out with a little bit you have and you realize, okay, I can keep going with this and then, then you can invest in it. Right, know? absolutely. Um, yeah. You mentioned your students. What do you teach and where do you teach? Yes, um, this is now my third semester teaching. I'm an adjunct professor at Shocker Studios at Wichita State. Very cool. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, this is it's, it's still kind of new mm-hmm. being called Professor Harmon, but I am, <laughs> I am I, the, the more I hear the award winning Professor Harmon. Award winning Professor Harmon. That's what I say whenever I enter the classroom. I'm like, students, bask in this, you know. <laughs> but. <laughs> But it's, it's kind of cool. I can add that to my resume. No, now, that's really that, cool. That I'm a professor. But yeah, this is my first, or sorry, this is my third semester mm-hmm. teaching. And so I, I mainly do a lot of, uh, my classes are very introductory. Um, so it's just, I basically let them know what they're getting themselves into, sure. getting into this field. That's, yeah. that's the long and short of it. Um, I try to teach them practical applications mm-hmm. on things because, you know, they, a lot of them are going to have their specialty classes yeah. and they'll learn all the details and all the software and the rigging and stuff. And they'll learn all the details in that class. Me, I'm just teaching them the basics because I'm dealing with students of various majors, you know, right. filmmakers, a lot of them want to do video games, illustrating, animation, that sure. kind of stuff. But some of the things I'm teaching them should benefit them in all those aspects. Yeah. You know, um, so like I said, you know, the specific stuff I'm saving for the, the, the core classes, mm-hmm. but I do want them to learn how to be practical. Like I said, not everybody is going to do filmmaking work, but I think they need to learn how to do that because yeah. you might be in a situation where you might have to shoot something or, or some of the stuff and learning about different camera shots and stuff. A lot of that'll benefit you when in the gaming industry, if you want to get certain angles of stuff. So, so my stuff is a little bit more on the practical side. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of it is on a low budget side. So for those that maybe once they graduate, if they don't automatically get that job in Hollywood, they can at least do what they can until they get to that point. Right. So, and then in the spring, I do a media analysis and aesthetics, which is, a nice fancy term for watching movies and talking about it. <laughs> so, um, so I, I now last semester was my first time teaching that, uh-huh. and I, I mainly show a lot of older films. Okay, and then and then they can kind of base the modern ones off of that because I feel like um, we need to appreciate the past, mm-hmm. and this is a lot of that, but just because I like history. Yeah, I'm also a big classic movie fan. Um, as you can see by some of the stuff in my, yeah, yeah, in my sure. domain here. <laughs> um, so I kind of want them to kind of see some of that to appreciate what we have now. And mm-hmm. a lot of the modern directors now, the reason why they do what they do is because of these forerunners. Right, right. So a lot of my stuff does have more of a classic appeal, but it's kind of cool because a lot of them have never seen a black and white film before. Sure. Or the oldest thing they've seen was 10 years ago. Right. You know? what, are, uh, so, what are some yeah. of the examples of some of the movies you show? Uh, well, for, for one of the films or for one of the topics, we were, we were talking about body language mm-hmm. in film and, and how sometimes I'm a big believer of actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of movies nowadays, people talk too much. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's good to show, not tell. So for one of the assignments, I had them watch a silent film, mm. which because I mean, just because it's silent doesn't mean it's, it's quiet, if that makes sense. Right. 
you know, during the golden age of silent films, they would have live orchestras, perf- you know, play the music. Or if you're doing a Western, you know, you would have someone in the back fire a pistol, you know. So there right. was a lot of that stuff. I mean, we can't really see that now just because we're not in that environment. But I really wanted them to look at the body language and to, you know, I mean, I know so a lot of silent movies might be a little more dramatic, like, oh, oh, don't tie me to the railroad tracks. Right. <laughs> but, but some of those, some of those are a little bit more subtle. And so I wanted them to kind of look and, and see, you know, what kind of emotion were they showing and, you know, would you react that way? You know, so I wanted them to kind of look at it without having to rely on the special effects. Right. Right. So, so I, sometimes I had them do a couple of silent films. Um, I had them watch a couple of uh, Hitchcock films uh, which a lot of people do like Alfred Hitchcock. There, there's mm-hmm. still a lot of relevance in what he has in terms of the cinematography and stuff. Sure. And we, we, we talk about color in films, so color versus black and white, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So uh, I, I try to I try to have stuff to kind of fit with the topics that I talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I try to have an array of things, even though it might be a little bit older than what they want. But yeah, sure. I, I haven't seen that many of, I mean, a lot of those type of older films, but I took a art of theater class. I went to Wichita State and my freshman okay. year as one of the um, whatever alternative classes you have to take, I took art of theater. And so we watched um, like Butch Cassidy and the Sun- Sundance Kid. Sundance yeah. Kid and then like Dancing in the Rain and some of those. And those were fantastic movies. I'm like, I never would have watched this other if I didn't take this class. So do you mean singing in the rain? Oh, well, yeah. What, yeah. Singing in the rain. Sorry. Okay. They, they, I mean, I'm picturing them dancing in the rain, but it's singing in the rain is the movie. I mean, it's, it's, in, it's in the chorus and it's, it's in the music. It's I'm been a while since I've seen it. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. There we go. I didn't want to be that person. But I told no, you I'm glad you corrected person. me. Yes. Singing in the rain. <laughs> that is correct. That's how long it's been since I've seen it. But do, have you what do you are you familiar with the TV channel of uh, Turner Classic Movies? Yeah. I. That's that's a great chance. I actually actually I got to be on Turner Classic Movies a few years ago. Nice. Uh, so I got to I got to present a film with the late great Robert Osborne, which was amazing. That's cool. Uh, but it, I didn't I didn't do singing in a rain. I did a movie called Summer Stock, which is okay. another movie with Gene Kelly. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and Judy Garland. It's one of those barnyard musicals. But uh, but yeah, it's musicals are great. Um, I'm I'm kind of partial to the old movie musical. Mm-hmm. I I feel like. Like I said, a lot of this stuff is my opinion. Mm-hmm. I always have to put that because people think it is gospel. But this, <laughs> but I, I, I feel like we don't really do a lot of musicals now. We got we do a lot of songs with music in it and singing, but it doesn't seem like a musical. If that makes right, sense. Right. Um, so I think it'd be kind of cool to kind of bring back that golden age. I think that'd be kind yeah. of fun. Yeah, but that's, for sure. That's another soapbox for another day. <laughs> that, that's a whole episode in itself. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um. So you have a podcast, the Double Stuff Podcast, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, the Double Stuff Podcast. It consists of uh, me, my sister Charity, uh, and two guys named Alan and Dan. Uh, we started. We actually started doing this in January of 2020. Oh wow! Uh, we, we had planned on. It was around Christmas 2019, and, and we've we've been knowing each other for a long time. Like we're all coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know, we all start out as coworkers, and so um, we always joke around with each other, mm-hmm. say stupid stuff, sarcastic things, and we're like, "Man, if only there was a microphone to capture some of the random stuff we talk about." Sure. Um, and so we were planning on doing this, so we figured, "Well, wait after Christmas, we come back and start recording." 
And we were planning on premiering it on April Fool's Day. Uh, <laughs> we figured that was an appropriate day. Yeah. Uh, April 1st of 2020. Little did we know what was going to happen. Right. Um, later on that year. And so I, I am thankful that at least for the first series, we are recorded the first 10 episodes mm. before lockdown happened, which shows, you know, God's perfect timing in that. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing about our podcast is that because all four of us, we all work together, we kind of know how each other works. We're all in media, we're all in production uh, to some extent. So mm-hmm. we're able to kind of take our strengths and, and use that for our podcast. So for, for the podcast, like for the, the cosmetic and for the look and feel, that's mainly me because out of the four of us, I have the most experience in Photoshop. So I do all the design sure. and, and, and I make it look pretty. Right. Um, and then um, Alan and Dan, they mainly help with the editing and the website and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Charity helps with some of that as well as some of the social media. So we all, we all have yeah. a little role to play, which is nice. But the whole premise of Double Stuffed is absolute nothing, really. <laughs> And that's what we enjoy about it. We is we start out with a topic, but we love how the topic goes so far left field out of whatever we were originally talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's just I call it a comedy banter series mm-hmm. because we just we talk about funny stuff. And we figured this was good timing because, I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world. So why yeah. contribute to that? Right. So we figure, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you know, give yourself a good laugh. Uh, why you're doing that. So we, we never, we never get political. Um, we don't really do that kind of stuff. We just, we just want to get people to laugh. And right. I think laughter is very powerful. Um, I know this sounds funny, but I always say, it. it's like, I, I take comedy very seriously. <laughs> um, and, and again, it's a very good play on words, but it's so true because, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people that are hurting right now. And in a lot of ways, sometimes the only thing you can do is just do something to take their mind off of it, even if it's for 20, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, just something ridiculous to get them a good laugh. And, and we've gotten that a lot from people like some of the comments, people was like, oh, man, I, I'm glad I discovered your show. You guys got me through the pandemic. And, <laughs> you know, like, like it, it's, it's really sweet because one, it shows, oh, people are listening. Right. Um, but it's also the fact that, you know, again, we want to make people laugh. And, you know, I know that's one of my big callings is definitely humor. I definitely yeah. want people to, to, to smile really. So, so that's, that's the long and short of double stuff podcast. And yeah. uh, so hopefully, you know, I'd love to get other people to check it out and listen yeah, again. Sure. It's absurd. And the titles of it don't make sense unless you listen to the episode, which makes it fun. So yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the podcast in a nutshell. Awesome. And I'll make sure to share the link and go check it out. Where can people find it? Just normal podcast places, YouTube. Yeah. Um, so our the the newest episodes are available on all the different podcast platforms. So you know, okay. Apple, Google, all that stuff. Um, but we do ar- archive all of the episodes on our website, which is doublestuffpod.com. Okay. And you can check us out on Facebook and YouTube and on Instagram at double yeah. stuff podcasts and on Twitter at double stuff P, and that's the letter P. All right, perfect. I will make sure to link all that. Um so I guess following your Wonderland doc, it, will there ever be a Joyland documentary? There has already been a Joyland documentary. Oh, has there? Okay, never um, mind. Yeah, for, uh, I've had a lot of people ask me that, but um, <laughs> but the local PBS. Uh, uh, actually, did, I do kind of remember that. Yeah. Yeah, they did that. Uh, 
about two years ago. Okay. Uh, but you'd be surprised. A lot of people get that mixed up. So a lot of people think that I did that um, <laughs> because but it's true. I, I do get a lot of people are like, I was like, oh, yeah, I did Wonderland Park. Oh, yeah, I saw it on I saw it on PBS. It was great. I'm like, well, that's Wonderland or that's sorry. That's Joyland. I right, right. Uh, so I always do have to correct them. And a lot of times when they come to see the documentary, they mm-hmm. think like, oh, I can't wait to see the Joyland when I was a little kid. And I was like, well, you'd probably be about 120 years old. Right, if right, you were. Right. And then they realize, oh, this is not the same amusement park. Right, right. Um, but I, I am kind of curious. I haven't done a lot of research on it, but there might be. I'm kind of curious if there is a connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, between the two, because Joyland came out in 1949. Okay. Uh, so, and of course, Wonderland has since been closed then, but I mean, a lot of people were still around at that time. Right, right. But I'm kind of curious if, you know, maybe they were like, you remember Wonderland Park? That was a great amusement park. I think Wichita needs another one. Yeah, for Or sure. something like that. Yeah. And maybe reminiscing about Wonderland kind of brought on Joyland. You know, I, I don't know for sure, but that almost seems like... I mean, they would have been kids been- and then kind of like, middle age by the time Joyland came yeah. around. So they would be the people that have the money or resources to kind of make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, I'm sure there had to have been some reminiscent conversations. And right. they were like, yeah, you know, that, that, that was great. I think yeah. we should have another one. So, you know, like I said, I, I don't know for sure, but that seems like a logical conclusion. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Know? It'd be yeah. interesting. Uh, I guess I want, I want to get your opinion, but on the whole century two debate, what you think about that, but something that could be interesting to dive into would be, uh, I don't remember century one, whatever the building was that was previous to century two, that could be something interesting to dive into. I don't know if there's a story there, but I need to do some research on that, but the building that replaced century two was called the forum. Yeah, there we go. So, so yeah, yeah, looking up some pictures of it, it looked massive. It looked like a really big building and that building lasted about 50 years. And then century two came and century two's lasted about 50 years. And that was kind of shaky. uh, you know, in in my opinion, again, I better give this because <laughs> this, this is getting into a political answer. I, I, I personally, I think that the building, the structure itself, should stay. That's that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I I feel like it's it's probably the fault of a number of people that it's kind of gotten into neglect. Yeah. To to a point that. I don't know if it's beyond saving. I, I think it is. It can be saved. It's just going to take a lot of a lot of money to do. Right. I, you know, it, it's it's been kind of back and forth for right. a while. Yeah, it has. Um, just just thinking about like the overall landscape of Wichita, and this is one thing that when I moved when, when we first moved to Wichita, again we're from Indiana. And we live in Indianapolis and the buildings in Indianapolis are huge and tall. And when we moved to Wichita, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm as tall as these buildings. Why are the buildings downtown so short? And uh, <laughs> and and for me, as someone that's not from here, I feel like there wasn't a lot of variety in the shapes of buildings. Everything seems sure. square. So when I saw Century 2, I was like, "Ooh, this is rounded. Right. And and I think for the uniqueness of Wichita, for the structure's sake and even just for the shape of it, 
I think it should still stay. I think it would be a great venue for still theatrical events. They were talking about an aquarium. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe you can have an aquarium at the entrance and a Broadway musical on the inside. I don't. I really don't know what it would be turned to if it was repurposed. But I right. think the structure itself should still stay because I feel like if you were to tear it down, it would just be another square building up right. there. And then we we have we have enough squares and rectangles. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So 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 let's have something a little more unique. That's yeah. that's that's my no, that's, take. That's a it. good take. That's a good good argument for it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I got a couple kind of quicker questions that I've stole from other podcasts, and then just a couple Wichita related questions. So, All right. Um, what is something you often recommend to people, whether it's like a book or a podcast or a documentary, besides your own own work? Yeah, I am partial to myself because I'm me. Um, if I was to recommend to a like, okay, like a movie mm-hmm. um, for something, because people have short attention spans, um, I always, I always lead toward comedy, mm-hmm. no matter what. Everything is going to be funny of some sort. So, like, if I was to introduce them slowly to classic comedy, I would show, <laughs> I would show them a Laurel and Hardy short. Okay, um, Laurel and Hardy was. They were kind of the reasons why we have successful double acts today. They're one. They're considered like the first successful double act, mm-hmm. at least of at least of the twentieth century. Um, so I would do a show called or an episode either called Brats or uh, Twice Two or Toad in a Hole. And for those films, you know, for for Brats, they're playing little kid versions of themselves, <laughs> and they're just trying to get the kids to bed. That's basically the long and short end of it, and it's so unsuccessful. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> just to get them yeah. to go to bed uh toad in a hole they want to they want to have a boat so they can go fishing catch fish and make more money the, sh- the the boat never leaves the dock it never leaves the area they're trying to repair it there's holes everywhere they fall they slip they crash it and they, they paint mm-hmm. lands on them there's but there's a lot when it comes to comedy i like a lot of physical comedy and a lot of that is universal yeah and even though it's old by american standards it's so timeless. It's still a test of time that people, if you were to play this in a theater, people would still crack up. Right, right. So I, so I would show them something, something short, something black and white, something funny in, in the film aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a book, uh, a book is a bit difficult because I like, I like reading nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> to the chagrin of my middle sister, Charity, uh, I think she's the only one in the family that reads fiction. The rest, the rest of us <laughs> reads nonfiction. So, I one of the books. Oh, I even have it here. Comedy writing secrets by Mel Helitzer. Um, because shocker, I like writing comedy because I'm exposed to it a lot. That's practically a textbook. Apparently, a lot of colleges use that book, but it's really mm-hmm. good if you want to learn the science of comedy, like different types of humor and when to sure. use it, and it breaks it down almost scientifically and and i like i like learning how things are made and the origins of things so if people are interested in humor and wanting to write that that would be my recommendation in terms of a book no that's great um yeah what what was the other ones Uh, if you had any documentaries that you recommend oh documentaries um yeah i I like documentaries that deal with art so Mm -hmm. like famous painters um, like I'm, I'm really big into Art Nouveau, which was a very 
uh, sophisticated kind of art from the 1890s to 1910. It was a very short-lived style, but that's what brought on modern art, really. Mm-hmm. So learning about people like Gustav Klimt, he was one of the big forerunners of that, or Alphonse Mucha. So learning about um, the modernist style of art, I really do like learning about that. Yeah. Um, just the arts in general, it doesn't necessarily have to be painters. It can be dealing with dance or music or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do- documentaries sometimes... I like them and I don't at the same time. Documentaries are based on true events. I think even Ken Burns, uh, Ken Burns does a lot of awesome documentaries. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Check out like all of his stuff. (laughs) Even even, I think Ken Burns made some kind of comment, especially when he was working on the Civil War documentary. And he was getting to the part when they're about to assassinate Lincoln. And he was like, wait, let's keep him alive a little bit longer. And that, and I kind of feel that way with certain documentaries because you know they're going to die at the end, right? And that's the part I dread with a lot of those documentaries. And so, so, so there's some I can't watch just because I mean it's a true story. So spoiler alert: they're going to die, especially with something that happened a few hundred years ago or whatever. Right. That's part of the reason why I wanted to create Wonderland and some of the other ones. I wanted I wanted to be a documentary, but I didn't want it to be sad, right? Um, like again, because there's a lot of sadness and stuff and a lot of documentaries end so depressing Yeah, and, and I don't want to watch something and I'm in a good mood and then I end and I feel more depressed than what I was at the beginning. That's right. just me. Cause I don't, I don't want to be in a position where I'm always down and I feel like, feel like that. And I feel like right, right. certain documentaries do it just because of the topics that they choose. Mm-hmm. So at least for me, even from an educational standpoint, I want to be, I want it to be lighthearted. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's sad that Wonderland ended, but it's not like, but I don't, I don't end it on that note. Right. You know, I talk about other stuff and, you know, uh, it'd be kind of cool to go back in time and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so even with the topics that I would choose for a documentary, even if even if there might be a bit of a sadness, I'm not going to end it sadly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, another example uh, is still in production, but you know, uh, I'm working on a personal documentary for my uncle Ralph. He passed away last year. Mm-hmm. He was one of the big um, influencers <laughs> of black theater in St. Louis, Missouri. Very cool. And but I made a point that if I was going to do this movie, I'm not going to end it when, with him dying. I mean, I'm going to get to that point, but I am going to end it on a more lighthearted note. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that, that's kind of what I want to do. Uh, so again, like I said, that, that's kind of my thing with documentaries. So that's probably why I really, I don't necessarily recommend documentaries to people. I re- probably recommend something a little bit more fun and lighthearted. Yeah. And then if you want to do something more informational, I would probably give something. Um, another one, the abstract series, I think it's on Netflix. Okay. Some of them are actually on YouTube, but they highlight certain artists. So like they did one on Tinker Hatfield who created the Air Jordans, which is oh, interesting. documentary. So each abstract series mm-hmm. talks about a well-known artist of whatever medium. Cool. So, I'll have to check that out. I haven't seen that yeah. one. Yeah. That, that one's really good. And the music they use in the intro is amazing. I like it a lot. So. Okay. I will check that out and I'll try to link up a lot of those. I'll listen back to this and write all those down. <laughs> that, that's a, a lot of good recommendations. Yeah. Um, so what is your favorite part of Wichita or like a hidden gem in Wichita? Hmm. A hidden gem. You know, I, I guess maybe because I've done more research in Wichita history I like looking at a lot of the old buildings mm-hmm. because it, you know, if it's easy to drive past it because it's just buildings. But when you look and it's like, Oh my gosh, there's some buildings that 
date back to the 1890s and they're still mm -hmm. standing. Right. So right before I did the Wonderland documentary, I did a, um, I produced an online tutorial, uh, online class on ghost signs. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what ghost signs are, but I'm not, but basically um, at the turn of the century, or maybe earlier, before the age of billboards and stuff like that, uh, people would paint their ads on the sides of buildings and barns and stuff like that. Mm. And so, and it's also called ghost signs because it's from a long gone era. Time has made it fade away. Mm -hmm. A lot of the jobs are defunct, that kind of thing. Sure. If you look at a lot of the old buildings downtown, especially in the old town area, uh, a lot of the old brick buildings, you see, you see hints of ghost signs in those areas. And so when I say a favorite part of Wichita, I think I just like looking at what used to be. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I guess it's just how my mind works. So one, one, one of the buildings, I haven't really gone up close to it. It's now a series of apartments now. It used to be the old Spaghetti Works building. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That is. Mm -hmm. uh, that used to be the Wichita Wholesale Grocery Company in 1894, uh, I believe. And there, I mean, if you look at old um, photographs of that building, it really hasn't changed. The facade looks exactly the same since the 1890s. Um, it seemed like it was more, it was called, that whole area downtown, like Old Town and all that, mm -hmm. I think it was called the, the warehouse district. Because it was basically okay. just a place where you would, you know, store all that stuff. Um, but there's an old sign. It's really faded. It's up high. But you still see the Wichita Wholesale Grocery Company still painted on there after you know, hundred plus years. Interesting. I'm going to um, look at that next time I go down there. Yeah. Just, just check out all the old, like there's some brick buildings over by city arts and um, over like old Chicago area. Yeah, yeah. Just, just that, that whole area where there's a lot of brick buildings. A lot of those are over a century old. That's really cool. And, yeah. And you can still see the, the signs of what it used to be. Yeah. And, and so, so when you say a favorite part, I guess it's more of a favorite area. I don't know if I really have a specific mm -hmm. um, place where I just like to hang out. I, I just, I just like soaking in the history. That's, that's kind of how I'm wired. So mm -hmm. that whole area. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, is there anything you wish Wichita had that it doesn't, or what would you improve about Wichita? I think one thing I wish Wichita had, Again, it's kind of reminiscent of when we used to live in Indiana. Um, Indiana still has a, a thing called the Children's Museum. Mm -hmm. And now I haven't been there since an adult. I feel like my adult <laughs> mindset might be disappointed than my child sure. mindset would be. But oh my goodness, we used to go to the Children's Museum. I don't know how often. Big, big building. Um, I, I, I guess it's almost like a combination of exploration place I guess exploration place will be the nearest thing mm -hmm. to what the amusement park or to what um, the children's museum would be in comparison. But I just remember it was very hands-on of mm -hmm. course, because kids, we like to touch things. Right. Um, but I remember at the entrance, it had this big, uh, I think it was like a water clock and it told the time by using the weight of water. It was no, very cool, accurate. Yeah. It was really yeah crazy cool and it was a very it was it was a very wide building it was very tall so i think it was like four floors mm -hmm. and each floor had a bunch of really cool exhibits um they had this one area that especially during christmas oh my gosh so during christmas at the children's museum they had this santa's workshop area you can make, <laughs> make your own little special gingerbreads and the mm -hmm. only way you could go down the stairs was you had to slide down the slide um there, there, it was it was just a really interactive place yeah there was a lot of history in there they had an area kind of like a living history thing where you can kind of walk into 
you know, 1900s Indiana yeah, yeah. Or, or like pioneer times and stuff like that. Um, but each floor had its own theme, crazy, crazy stuff. I kind of wish Wichita had something like that. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think Exploration Place is probably the closest to it. Um, so, I went to, uh, I went to St. Louis once when I was in, or a couple times when I was in college and they have the city museum. So that's kind of what I'm picturing. I don't, have you been there? No, I haven't, but it sounds interesting. It sounds very similar to that. It's like, I don't know. It's like a big playground for kids and adults. It kind of seems like, but it's indoor, outdoor, kind of a little bit of everything, but it sounds yeah. very similar to that. I'm gonna have to look up that and see what it compares, but you should look it up. Yeah. The city museum in St. Louis is really cool. I'll, I'll have to check that out. And I know, I think it still is. I think the Children's Museum in Indianapolis is one of the biggest ones in the United States. That would be really cool though. Like again, exploration yeah. place is really cool, but this yeah. it's like a whole nother level when there's multiple floors and that hands on. And yeah. Yeah. Like we used to go there a lot and I miss it. Like the next <laughs> me and charity always say it's like, next time we're going to go to Indiana, we need to go to the children's museum. <laughs> so I, I feel like if we go, I hope I'm not disappointed when we finally right. do it. But at the same time, I know if I was to go in and then all of a sudden my eyes will be big and be like, oh, little kid Sarah again, you know? Or <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like that. So, yeah, yeah sure. so I, I think if Wichita has something like that, I think that would be, that would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, for and, sure. I, and what's funny is that because of the Wonderland documentary, a lot of people are like, we need to have another Wonderland park, another amusement park in the river. So, you know, maybe, maybe, in, maybe later on in the future, maybe, maybe Wichita might have another kind of a, almost like a wonderland 2.0 or something yeah. that, that would be kind of cool to have, you know, yeah. that would be cool. Um, I just have one more question and then we'll kind of shout out the, everything again. So the, the podcast and everything, but what does Wichita mean to you? Uh, what does it mean to me? I, I, I guess it's, it's kind of the same thing I have been saying. I, I, I like the pioneer spirit. I, I guess if that makes sense again, just based on the stuff I've been studying about the history of how it came to be and just how we've come from, you know, where the Buffalo roam and then here we are now. Um, I, I, I like that we are progressing, but sometimes it doesn't hurt to kind of take a step back. And so I kind of like in some ways we can be kind of futuristic in some ways, but in another way, if we kind of go back to our history, we kind of have a little bit of pride in that. You know, I mean, you're starting to see it everywhere now. Like the, 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 the Wichita flag is, is pasted everywhere. And, you know, we, we talk a whole lot about, you know, the kind of the forerunners of that. So I, I think I like how Wichita, it doesn't always forget where it came from. Uh, and like I said, just for someone that appreciates history, I do like that. Mm -hmm. uh, what was, what's kind of funny is that, I know I was like this when I was a kid in Indiana. I never got into local history because I was like, who cares about what's happening in our backyard? Right. It's ancient history that we want to see. It's <laughs> stuff everywhere there. But since moving here, I guess because I've been saturated with that, I realized how much of a rich history it has. Right. So because of that, I, I like how there's still bits and pieces here and there. So I, yeah. I think I think as a whole, what Wichita means to me is that um, – it's a modern historic town. So I, I like that. Um, it embraces the arts. Uh, it embraces the past in, in, in certain ways. Um, and we're, 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 we're more than just the sepia tone town that Dorothy <laughs> wants to get away from. And 
I mean, we're, we're, we're a technicolor place here. <laughs> it's really not that bad of a place to live. So I don't know if that, uh, that was kind of a roundabout way of answering. Although that was a direct one, but no, that was probably great. The, that's, probably, that's probably the closest I can do for, for now. Yeah. That was a great answer. Um, Sarah, thanks again for coming on. I'm excited to kind of check out the, the different documentaries and hopefully I can catch them and the rest of Wichita can catch them. Um, both of them, hopefully at the, at the uh, Tallgrass film festival and other local film festivals. Um, I'll be sure to link out um, Wonderland park, double stuffed. Um, yes. I think you already kind of shouted out those names, but I'll make sure to link everything um, below. So people can find it but again thanks for coming on no this has been a lot of fun thank you for having me thank you again to everyone that listened to this episode of the wichita live podcast if you enjoyed please rate and review our podcast on whatever app you use if you have any recommendations please reach out at wichita life ict at gmail.com thanks again